Hello everyone and welcome to the Civic Podcast. In this episode I will be speaking a bit about cancel culture, social media and mainstream media news channels. The whole issues that have risen throughout the past years and months, especially now throughout the pandemic, of why people have decided to choose or to opt for other sources of information um, aside from those mainstream media news channels. And it's a big conversation to be had and to stop this censorship, to stop the cancel culture, so we can finally have a relevant conversation about relevant topics. So, like I said, we're going to be speaking a bit about cancel culture and social media and everything that goes around that, specifically the big transition between what could be considered mainstream media channels and now social media platforms, where essentially is the main source or the main platform that we use in order to receive our information, all sorts of information, uh, mainly news-related, politically related, scientifically related Um, a bit of everything and people have been choosing lately to go more towards these certain platforms for very good reasons uh, most of them and I think mainly one of them is trust for example me when I decide I'm going short example regarding politics when I want to know what a certain politician said regarding a very specific topic regarding a certain topic I prefer to go directly on their profiles because most of them now have Twitter profiles, uh, Facebook also, I guess, but they're not using that as much, but mainly Twitter. And you go on Twitter, you see what they said regarding that specific topic from their own account, so from their own keyboard, where now, whether that's their their cabinet maybe that wrote it, but that's generally the idea that they are proposing uh, from their own mouth or, let's say, device, let's say, in that regard. So I generally do prefer to go and see directly what has been said instead of believing everything that I read on social media. Sorry, not on social media, on on mainstream media platforms. Um, And I think I'm not the only one. I think a lot of people have realized a general bias in mainstream media channels. Uh, I mean, it's no secret that in virtually every single country, mainstream media is biased. I mean, in the United States, to give an example, you have CNN, which is very openly democratic, uh, well, biased towards the Democratic Party. And then you have Fox News, which is, again, very much biased towards the Republican Party. So it's a bias that is not even hidden anymore. It's not even implicit. You don't need to guess it. They, they're very openly biased. They don't really hide their political affiliations anymore, which is, for me, is quite astonishing, is that media companies actually have decided to completely disregard half of their potential users, which is what's happening when you openly decide to support one specific uh, political party. The only difference 
between or one of the main differences between you being openly biased as a as a mainstream media channel in comparison to maybe myself or any other individual which either has a podcast or has a column or is a political commentator which is their amount of responsibility that they are holding towards their viewers so if you're called a media channel or a news media channel wherever it might be uh, if even if it's just a magazine a journal or just if you if you dare to have that name, you need to know the amount of responsibility the amount of responsibility that you hold to share truthful information, truthful information to inform the general public. Now that is something that it's just we've taken it for granted for quite a lot of time. Or in any case, we thought everything that we will that we were reading was truthful information, but. There have been so many lies and when you have the general population that blindfoldedly trust mainstream media channels, if you do one thing that breaks that trust, it is very difficult to get it back. And that's why mainstream media channels are dying right now. That's why they are dying. That's why people decided to go onto private platforms like might be Twitter, might be Facebook. Now on that is also an issue because no secret either that these platforms or big tech in general is also biased towards the left, right? Um, and that's completely fine because again, they are a private company. They can do whatever how they want. Um, when it comes now speaking in, in business terms, I don't think that's a very good move because then again, you're completely pushing half of your viewership from your own platform. So your revenue will be half as big as it would be if you had all these people following you and that's why now a lot of people are moving towards other platforms like might be parlor or gab i think those are the two i think parlor was opened by a group of american conservatives uh that were pretty much sick of the twitter bias and they didn't think that they could spread their views openly on that platform so they opened a parallel platform to that and that causes a lot of issues mainly uh firstly because you're going to have the complete segregation of of the voting population, let's say, or the population that does indeed want to have a dialogue or does indeed want to get informed, and they're only gonna get the information from one single source. Uh, in parlor, it would be the conservatives or the right-leaning people, and then on Twitter, it would be the progressives or the left-leaning people. So then in the end, you completely segregate it, even the chance of dialogue. That platform will no longer exist, and someone will need to provide that platform one at one point or another if not we're just gonna be get even even more polarized and at the end of the day it's these platforms where the radicals really do let's say form where if people don't have any information or any sources of information to, con to contrast with their own different points of view maybe or maybe a debated fact with facts honestly nowadays is very difficult because some facts you can't debate the fact, but you can debate the perception of that fact. So you can debate the causes of whatever that fact is, but that's still a relevant conversation. So let's say you have a fact. So we agree on the fact because generally it's gone through some a good amount of empiric evidence generally or a study or some scientifically based or sociologically based or philosophically based. For example, now there are a lot of philosophical truisms that we can indeed agree upon now the perception of those might be different we can maybe debate on what the actual perception was of that specific idea and that can go a bit on facts facts in themselves cannot be debated because that's why they are facts if not they wouldn't be facts 
but the perception of them, or in any case, how to resolve them or how to discuss them, that can be debated. And this platform is getting lost. My main issue of why Twitter's and Facebook bias is, is so problematic is because at the beginning, these were supposed to be platforms open, like kind of Agora platform, where people could come together and discuss about whatever they wanted, a kind of free market, a kind of uh, main main square, a main city square where people could come and discuss. Now we've seen that's not really the case. Um, of course, going towards political correctness and, and what I was coming at at the beginning when it comes to cancel culture. When it comes to cancel culture, it's not just on social media platforms. You can also see it in your general social life or in your professional life um, regarding a lot of people. And there are lots of reasons for that, but we're gonna get into that a, a bit later. So people now that think, for example, if they can make a tweet uh, saying, I only believe there are two genders and maybe there's a spectrum between femininity and masculinity and they can be somewhere in between, when generally every single human being have has some sort of masculinity and sort of femininity. Uh, and, and then we can debate from there, or then we can debate, like I've said uh, in a previous podcast before, specifically speaking about gender, is that if you tell me there are 113 genders, for example, people are claiming that, I think in, in, in New York State, there are around 30-something genders that are officialized, quote-unquote. Um, I'm willing to believe it if you give me the actual factual evidence or with some, let's say, scientific background, because gender is not something to take lightly. It is something that has allowed a lot of women to get their rights uh, throughout the years also. That was a whole movement of feminism. Um, but let's not get in too much into that now. I'm just saying that just by that simple statement that someone might say on Twitter, I only believe there are two genders. And maybe it's a stupidity. Maybe that person's not correct. Maybe there are more than two genders. There are three, four, five, 20, whatever it may be. But that person must have the right to say it and make a mistake if it is a mistake to say that. Why? Because if you do not make mistakes when you speak, you can never learn. That's the whole point of freedom of expression, of freedom of speech, to be able to make mistakes while you learn. Because if you can't speak what you think in the end, how can you debate those ideas or get them in contrast with other specific points of views? And that's my main issue with it, because people would just keep things inside of them with this cancel culture that, that they've been submersed in unconsciously and consciously, explicitly and implicitly, um, that people will no longer want to speak their minds. And that is good for no one whatsoever. You have to speak your mind, you have to say what you think, because if you're wrong, then fine. You can admit that you're wrong and you can progress from there. Without dialogue, there is no progression. And that is just the truth. If people stop dialoguing with each other, specifically between both between both aisles, left and right, top and center, up and down, whatever you may, what, or whatever your criteria for left and right politics is, if people stop dialoguing, and speaking, discussing the matters at hand, I, I really am afraid to which point it's gonna get, it's just gonna become a witch hunt. It has already become a witch hunt on Twitter, for example, for let's say conservative people, right-leaning people, we're not even talking about radical conservatives, let's say. For me, the line gets drawn when you incite to violence or not. That's also at some point I would speak about hate speech because I have listened, um, excuse me, to quite some things which, well, I don't think people have the right definition of what is hate speech anymore. I think for a lot of people, hate speech has just become anything with, 
anything that I don't agree with is hate speech. So you must be cancelled for that. You are a bigot. That's something that's happening a lot. Maybe people really didn't have any bad intentions in what they were saying. Maybe they just generally believed it or they wanted to learn from it. How many stupid things have you said in your classroom, for example, in class, when a teacher always said there are no stupid questions? Why? Because the teacher wants you to make mistakes. That's why they ask you that all the time. Please, can someone ask a question? Don't worry, there are no stupid questions. And you're always there, oh, I have a question, but maybe he already said it before, or I didn't understand it quite well. And then if the teacher was insisting, generally you would ask that question. And they have half the class that laugh, the other, uh, the other quarter of the class would say, oh, actually, yeah, I did not know that either. And then the other part would say, oh yeah, don't worry, I mean, I, I can explain to you after class. So you have people everywhere. People will judge you no matter what you do. There's always gonna be someone to laugh at you, to insult you, or to even be compassionate towards you. It's gonna be of absolutely everything. But the matter of fact is here that you have to be able to make mistakes. You have to be able, because if you don't make mistakes, you will never progress and you will never, let's say, make up your mind about certain topics, which you need to make up your mind about certain topics. You need to know to who you're going to vote in the next elections. You need to know what you think about, for example, the gender discussion or the transgender discussion or the immigration discussion or the tax discussion. It's gotten to a point where people can't even speak about tax rates, about saying, I, th I think we should lower the taxes a bit. Oh my God, you're a fascist. The taxes shouldn't be at 45%. You say they should be at 30%. Oh my God, I can't be good. Then the other side says, I actually think the taxes should be elevated a bit more to like 45%, maybe the richer. Oh my God, you're a communist. How can you think the taxes can be elevated? How do you think we can have higher taxes with where they get it overtaxed with everything, with some superfluous uh, um, spending in every single government, in every single or governmental entity? This is just too much. But people need to discuss those those things because if you lose that dialogue from the beginning, we're never going to advance onto a common consensus. We can actually, let's say, be, benef be beneficiary or the population to be beneficiary of those actual discussions. And that's why politics is there. That's why politics was created. Um, so that's something that people really need to understand, especially on the left. I mean, I'm, I'm seeing most of the cancel culture on the left about they're having their own definition of what is politically incorrect. And I think that political correctness is a big, big, big mistake, like I said, because even if you offend someone, but a lot of people get offended and the offender generally doesn't even mean it. He doesn't mean to offend people. He's just trying to understand certain matters. So I just say, if you think your point of view is better, explain that to the other person. You go, you speak with them and you explain it. And I genuinely do believe if there's good argumentation behind, people will get convinced. That's that's how you get people convinced. You don't get people convinced by censoring them. You do not get people convinced by deplatforming them. That's just not the way it works. Again, if you keep deplatforming people, they're always going to find another space where to speak, where to dialogue. And the only issue that's going to cause is more segregation between, well, between the different groups of people that should... Uh, that should meet at a certain point to discuss and to speak. Um, th this is basically the whole issue, actually, why I also made the channel or, well, the the podcast channel, because I, I really do believe that we need to see both sides of the story or at least have a discussion about it. And then we can agree on what is right or what is wrong. I'm not here claiming that I'm, that I'm giving you real information. 
Um, that's not my point. I, I can tell you some things. I can tell you, okay, this is a fact. This isn't a fact. And then you make up your own mind. You go and do your research. You go and cross-check to a to a fact cross-check on Google or whatever you want to do. Speak with your family. Speak with your friends. Oh, I, I heard this. Is this true or not? Let's have the conversation. Um, so my sense on responsibility is only towards myself at this point. I don't... I, I, I don't think I owe much responsibility to anyone. And so if I want to tell you Brussels is burning, you don't need to take my word for it. Just go and check. Now, if I lied, I lied. I mean, that's just how it is. Um, but then again, I don't have that much responsibility in comparison to these big platforms, which I said at the beginning, I think it's a big, big mistake, this open bias in, in mainstream media. I mean, it's happening in every single country. Um, you you could argue that 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 in the UK we have I mean we have the BBC which is still more or less okay kind of neutral and, and kind of unbiased in a way uh, but then for example in Spain I mean there's not one single mainstream media channel that isn't unbiased not one single one in Spain and I think there was um, some study at some point I think they said that Spain was the worst country or at least where the most biased social media uh, mainstream media channels were at and that was in Spain but then again we don't need to go to, to to Spain specifically probably in your country you might have the same thing I just can't give examples to every single country either in the European Union or in North or, or in North America or in Latin America uh, so that's not really the point the point is that this is a really really bad move and where we see in this cancel culture is mainly from the left on things that you not agree with and the conclusion I take from that is because if they want to cancel someone, it's because they have no way of countering the argument. It's because they lost the discussion. And that's exactly what chickens do. They chicken away because they cannot get into that discussion. They cannot fight you or they cannot argument their point of view because they know they are not right. Or most of the time, they it's so it's so clawed into their, into their core that they think they are morally just. And this also goes to the far right, to be honest. At tr also, most of the time, they won't even want to have a discussion. They say, oh, no, this is what I think. You're never going to make me change my mind. Uh, don't even try to convince me what I know is true. And this is the only truth. Uh, that's what happens to the far right. But generally, we're seeing now mainly in the, in the left or far left or what you could call the social justice war is the, the politically correct. The people that in the end, when, when you say something they don't like, they're just going to try and censor you or deplatform you and not even have the discussion because they can't win the argument generally. Or if they can, well, prove it to me. I mean, I've seen, I don't know how many debates about so many different topics. And generally there are some of them when you get the moderate left and the moderate right to have a discussion and they do meet somewhere in the middle. There are some points where they agree, but on slight points, like I said before, for example, on tax rates, they might disagree and that's completely fine. That's where you get to a common consensus and that's how you translate that into policy that's actually going to affect the whole of the population inside a certain country, inside a certain geographical area. Um, and that's just how and, and that's just how it happens. Cancel culture now isn't just only on social media platforms where basically individuals are getting the platform again by saying politically incorrect things. And now there is a line to draw. We we can maybe discuss the line on where that line can be drawn. It's just I'm seeing a lot of double standards. Um, we can discuss that there's a line when it comes to incitement of violence, for example, or death threats or something like that. That person can't get deplatformed. Um but I'm seeing a lot of double standards. I mean, 
I've seen some right-leaning people that haven't said really bad things. I mean, for example, um, there was J.K. Rowling that a few months ago said only women get pregnant or something like that. Like, women get pregnant, men can't get pregnant or something of the sort. Or she said only women menstruate, uh, only women menstruate, men don't menstruate of, or something of the sort. And I don't think she was banned from Twitter, but I think she pretty much stopped using it. Um, I can maybe check it now. But, um, but basically, she was completely chased by a mob telling her she's a bigot well, maybe her criteria for for femininity and masculinity is purely biological and she's not so far up thinking that in a philosophical manner right and she's completely entitled to have her own opinion on what masculinity and femininity actually is whether it's on a purely biological basis um yeah okay so she's not even using okay right she's not even using twitter anymore uh, and I think she was kind of active and of course she's not going to use it anymore when you say something that might be considered politically incorrect and you get chased by a mob of not not just trolls but actual people that believe what they are saying of course she's going to leave that platform and that's also a part of, of cancel culture to a point where you make someone's life so miserable they won't even want to go back onto that platform and that's happening to a lot of people that say politically incorrect things not necessarily reprehensible things per se i mean there are they can say reprehensible things at some point for example if you say um i think all trans people should die for example that's completely reprehensible and that's something that can get considered into incitement of violence or or let's say moving a mob towards someone but generally um if you don't call directly for the mob's actions i don't think big celebrities should be guilty of the actions of the people that follow her. Um, I mean, let's take, for example, what happened with Nazi Germany. They took most of their philosophical nutjob beliefs, right, from Nietzsche. But Nietzsche holds no guilt if they decide to completely change what he said and adapt it for their own political gain or or ideological gain from in, in that sense. He had, that's not his fault. But it is what's happening nowadays. Oh, for let's say again, Donald Trump. Now, Donald Trump is reprehensible right to the core in terms of character. Um, I'm, I'm going to say, well, pretty much straightforward that he has done some good things in terms of policy. Now, as character, I don't think they could. I don't think there was a worse person you can put at the head of a country like is the United States. Uh, now, when he was the assault on the Capitol, he's basically being accused now of him inciting the assault on that capital by using inflammatory speech in any case um firstly i don't think trump is that bright to send implicit messages through a speech uh to, to well to try and, and cause an insurrection uh and secondly i don't think he's that stupid that he would do it so openly right i mean he's not very bright but he's not that stupid either and if he is oh my god was i wrong so I'm I'm, I'm I'm more willing to accept that I'm wrong for him being not that bright to actually openly call for an insurrection and an attack on the capital. Um, but in any case, we're not going to get too much into the capital because a lot of things have been, well, they're still ongoing, some sort of investigations are going on. But we will see soon enough what actually did happen. I just think it was just a bunch of nut jobs that... that that wanted to get her, that, that that wanted to harm people in Congress, uh, whether they're Democrats or Republicans. Republicans were also being chased, by the way. 
Uh, and then Trump, of course, the first thing he should have done when he lost the election was just to accept he lost the election. And that's something that is completely reprehensible from his side. He should have just accepted the outcome. He should have said, guys, we lost fair and square. And if he thought that there was electoral fraud to a point which caused his loss, he should have quietly investigated that and done it off him off, on his own side, not... Because then again, he holds a lot of responsibility towards his followers. That's again, the, the levels of responsibility between individuals are not the same and you do need to be responsible about the amount of influence that you may have on people. So um, it's a bit, it's, it's a balance to make in between what you say and the amount of responsibility that you hold. And that's not always easy. I just think you need to have an actual good moral framework to make that work. Um, if not, if not, what are you doing with your life? If you haven't thought that through, or what, what amount of responsibility are you holding? It's like if you're a teacher, um, you're not gonna say, let's say edgy things as a teacher that could get misinterpreted by younger teens, for example. If you're a scout leader, same thing. You're not gonna say things that you know that they're not old enough yet to understand. For example, why don't you swear in front of kids? Because, because kids will just get it as another word and then they will use that word uh, like if it was a normality, like it's, like it's nothing abnormal. That's why you don't swear in front of kids because they, they grab words like a sponge. And if you swear in front of them, they will eventually use that word, uh, which you, you don't really want them to. Excuse me. So anyway, there is something to be considered which is the responsibility of each person and which what amount of responsibility that person should hold towards their viewership and I think that mainstream media holds that big responsibility but people have just had enough of their lies and it's very difficult to get their trust back very difficult to get their trust back uh, when you lost it in so many different ways <coughs> excuse me I had to cough there um, so at that point I really do think we need to reassess the way that we discuss, the way that we dialogue. Um, a, a person gave me the, the option of, well, I think, uh, well, I had, I had the discussion with someone at, at one point, said, well, social media platforms should be public. And I, I no, <laughs> no, just, <laughs> no, straight out, no. Social media platforms should not be made property of the state, because then again, we're gonna have the same issue as if there, there's really gonna be an open bias because the the government in power is going to put the policies in place to follow their political agenda. Now, whether it's right or whether it's left, social media platforms should not be, should not be public. Social media platforms specifically. Now, we can discuss if there can be a, let's say a mainstream media public channel, or at least with some public subsidies. I can accept that to some extent uh, but social media channels, no, because they are private properties of their creators or of their founders or of the CEO, whatever you might call it. And they have all the right to give or to, put, or to put all the terms and conditions that they want on the platform. If Twitter now wants to say only dogs and cats can use Twitter to lose 100% of their of their usership, that's completely fine. That's their choice. That's it. If, if they want to chuck out all the right-leaning people of Twitter, they can. That's their they have all the right to do so. Like in my house, if, if I decide now I don't want any cats in my house, then no cats go to my house. Firstly, because my dog doesn't like cats. And secondly, no, it's just it. My dog just doesn't like cats. I like cats. But anyway, uh, so that's my choice. Why? Because it's my property and 
that's my right to my private property in general. I mean, it's very, very, very simple um, terms or things that we've established in Western society in general with private property. But in any case, that is something that, that, that we need to consider is that if we keep deplatforming people or having this cancel culture so integrated into our day-to-day lives, people also, like I said, you're allowed to make mistakes. You're allowed to say something which I, I think in the end it comes to the intention of the person. If the intention, if the person generally wants to learn and he's asking you a question that you might take as something offensive, please just keep keep an open mind that you don't know what that person learned throughout their life. You don't know what their actual point of view is. Maybe they just want to ask you a question genuinely because they think you might know better than them or anything of the sort. And if you just say, oh no, that offends me, you bigot, where are we going to go? And this goes as much to our private lives um, in our offline social sphere as it goes to our online social sphere. Do not be afraid to speak up and to ask questions of things you do not know because you're gonna say stupid things along the road and you need to have the platform to do that. That's basically what education was made for. Universities, it was made for that also to learn to write, to do research, to learn from each other. It's not happening now. It's been a lot of deplatforming also on universities. People getting run out of campuses for making speeches about very, very simple politics or what is right-leaning, what is left-leaning. And again, these cancel cultures mainly coming from the far left with their political correctness and with their false definitions of hate speech. And that is something that I'm, it's just for me, I, I'm, I'm not seeing right now any light at the end of the tunnel because like I said, the right-leaning people are just going towards other platforms. And if they're going to stay there, there's, no, there's going to be no contrast of information with the things that they're going to keep gobbing every single day, morning, midday, and evening. And same thing goes for the left. They're not going to have any contrast of information so they will not be able to put that information up to the test. They will not be able to discuss if that point of view is the best thing or is the best way seeing things. But anyway, I'm gonna leave it there for today uh, and for this. I'm gonna try and make them a bit shorter, around half an hour-ish. But that's something please take up to mind. If someone openly comes to speak with you about a specific matter and don't, don't implicitly make them uneasy for them to open their mind. Uh, make them comfortable for them to make mistakes and say stupid things, even if they are offensive, but that person didn't mean so. Open up, speak with them, and have a relevant conversation, an important conversation. Well, going to leave it from there. Please, people, without dialogue, there is no progress. And that, especially the progressives should know, if they call themselves progressives, they should know that. The conservatives know that or most of the conservatives are not from what I'm seeing from the right side, but it seems like what we call nowadays progressives, they're not really understanding that message. Then again, I'm not generalizing as much. I'm just talking about a specific part of the left that is indeed going through that road, a very, very dangerous road, closing themselves up to dialogue and to actual discussions with argumentation and with facts. Um, and I'm gonna leave it there. Again, love your neighbor, love your friend, speak with them, and I'm not, and, and, and I'm not going to go priestly right now, but you can get the message. Wow. This is Ismail Pai Civico, and this was the Civic Podcast. Thank you very much for listening.